Welcome to MSP 1337. I'm your host, Chris Johnson, a show dedicated to cybersecurity challenges, solutions, a journey together, not alone. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of MSP 1337. I'm joined this week by Jim Harriman of Kinetic Technology Group. Welcome, Jim. Hello, Chris. I know that there's starting to be a pattern of if Jim's on, what could we possibly be talking about this week? Because Chris was probably last minute and Jim's available during the window of right. No, this is actually tied to a conversation that started a couple weeks ago. I had Ken May of Swift Chip on the show, and it was this um, Trojan horse revelation that I had about zero trust your browser. And when I brought it up, including with you, um, I think I made more than one person scratch their head and go, how is it that we are so focused on this new world order of zero trust, and yet the one application, or many, depending on the user, that we use every day all the time, none of us are looking inside to see what is actually happening, is the browser. And I got pushback in initial conversations with, oh, well, you got to kind of trust the user. Maybe they're, you know, and, and it kind of turned into this like whole, like, bring your own browser was kind of the conversation. Like, <laughs> you know, what happens when the browser that I use at work and, and synchronize everything, and then I go home and synchronize. And you start thinking about things like uh, session variables and passwords being synchronized via the browser. And Man, pretty soon you're like, I'm overwhelmed. I don't want to talk about this anymore. But after that conversation, and, and Ken really said this and it hit home with me, he's like, we need to do a better job, no question, of educating solution providers that this is something that we should be not just participating in, but actually impacting change because the most vulnerable place we have is, is probably the browser at this point. And you and I were talking earlier that if we literally lock down the browser, what problems, and please don't hear this as saying, you don't need all the other stuff, but you definitely won't be relying on it nearly as heavy, heavily because the browser is doing a lot of that front end lifting. So by the time it does get to your you know, EDR or your antivirus or whatever malware bite products you're using, you've, you've reduced the threat surface quite a bit. So this is where it gets good because you and I both did some research over the last week or so. Um, I spent way too much time on it over the weekend. Well, and you actually did like work. I actually I, I, did. I work, just yes. read. I just, I just, I just read. I did, hey, I you know what? Something. Sometimes knowledge is work. Sometimes <laughs> knowing something is awfully, uh, it's a big burden because now you have an obligation to share, which is why you're on the show today, because you're going to share what you discovered. So um, real quick, before we go to you talking about what you uncovered, I want to real quickly talk about what I ended up doing. So I have a school district that I used to work for. I don't work there anymore. And one of the big challenges that they have is students using the Chrome browser and installing extensions that allow them to essentially bypass all of the security controls that are put in place to protect the student. And not for not trying, they've done a really amazing job of doing the best they can to lock things down. 
The problem is because they aren't actually managing the browser or restricting the browser itself. They're using third-party tools to enforce as much as they can those restrictions. So like another agent on the machine is detecting that you have tried to install an extension. And so using those DNS filtering controls, you know, it's preventing certain things from happening. Well, I started digging and go, there's gotta be a better way. Why don't we have things like enterprise browsers? Why don't we have browser management? And lo and behold, I'm completely wrong. They totally exist. And you just have to take the time to configure them. So I tackled Chrome browser, cloud managed browser. And I discovered really quickly that you can do all kinds of lock it down. I can say we're whitelist only. And this is where we get into that like, zero trust the application, right? So if I block by default, all extensions, and this got into, I was able to restrict things like can't sync passwords. You can choose to not allow syncing at all. Um, the list goes on and on and on of what you can do with locking down browsers. So I can honestly say from what I've seen, it's a lot easier to do it with Chrome browser in a uh, Google for enterprise or Google for school workspace, just because of what you get. But because it's device driven and not user driven, you don't necessarily have to use it for email, right? Like you could use it just to manage the route. Anyways, I digress. Um, <laughs> this is really one of those things where um, the eye opener is, okay, what should we be doing, if anything, besides educating in users, and, and that's where it kind of goes to, so on the one side that I just described is all about locking down or controlling the user experience within the browser. And I think the, the discovery that you had was really about what should we be doing to make sure the browser is secure before the end user has the experience that they're going to have when using the application. So, so Jim, walk me through kind of your discovery because you kind of made my head spin when you started telling me what you found. And then I decided to do some more looking and I should have just stopped because <laughs> this is by and large, a pretty significant, unique opportunity that I, I truly believe changes what we are capable of doing if, we, if we're willing to learn how to do it. Sure. Well, first off, I, I think the, for, the, the first thing I want to say is that not all browsers are created equally. Okay. No. Right. So, I mean, when we're talking about Chrome and or Edge, which is basically Chrome with a, you know, a little bit of Microsoft wrapping around it and all that other kind of stuff. I mean, it, it, it's a pretty vast thing. As we were talking before, it's, it's, it's effectively an operating system uh, in and of itself. Right. right. I mean, they, they call them Chromebooks for a reason. Right. right. I mean, it's, it's not a stretch here. It literally is an operating system. So, yeah. um, you know, from a browser perspective, you know, on the Apple side, Safari is not as powerful. You know, it doesn't have the, the same uh, openness about it. Uh, and therefore, it doesn't have as many restrictions available. Right. I mean, it's it's built in a very simple functional way and uh but where i was and how i when when you when you said that well like, let's yeah. pause for a minute because i want to sure. i want to finish that statement of what you said about safari thinking about browsers from an intent standpoint so when you brought up safari uh what's the first thing that comes to mind for me it is i use it to literally and the word has been around since the beginning of the browser surf the internet 
research, content collecting. I mean, there's limited bookmarking or not bookmarking. There's limited extensions. There's a lot of limitations as far as that. But from a power standpoint, the one thing it does, in my opinion, is it it's fast at browsing and surfing the internet, right? So, Absolutely. So I think that's important to note too. Like not all browsers are created equal, but it also means that not all browsers are used for the same purpose. That, that's very, very true. And I think that we can, you know, even looking back to, you know, the... Uh, the oncoming of all the SaaS apps that have been developed over the last decade, right? And is it SaaS or SaaS? Because I feel like that's like saying process or process, right? I, I, I mean, who knows? I, you I sprinkle gravy on your, on your, yeah, or sauce. <laughs> but the, you know, all all of those browser-based applications that have been, you know, coming our way and continue to come our way on a almost hourly basis now it seems like oh try this product go try that product and it, it you know it has become that and the thing about the safari side is that there are limitations and i do have some things that i use that aren't as functional in safari as they are in say google chrome right there right. it doesn't have all the capabilities that google chrome has um, but also to secure Safari to the best of your ability, you know, as far as, you know, CIS benchmarks are concerned, it's only 32 pages, right? Yeah, yeah. Of information and, you know, probably about 25 different settings that you can actually change that would fall under that, um, you know, best practices for Safari, um, as to where Google Chrome has nearly 300 pages worth of things that you can do to secure it. So that was the thing. I mean, I was already down the CIS benchmark thing, uh, kind of rabbit hole for various other platforms. But when we started to talk about the browser, I'm like, well, I wonder if they exist. And sure enough, they did. And I was kind of blown away about by the differences between um, the two, particularly Safari and Edge slash Chrome. So um, and there's just there's just so much there. And, you know, and, in, in, you know, in all candor, I mean, we have not done a great job of of that. And I think it's come to our attention more as our business has started uh, supporting more and more Windows clients. I mean, as sure. you know, we were predominantly a, a an Apple-based managed service provider. And yep. so a lot of the things that uh, come into our wheelhouse today are a lot different than, than they used to be. And so um, seeing that, it, it definitely challenged me to uh, start a conversation with our team about uh, securing the browser, you know, and how we're going to go about doing that. And today I don't have an answer. The, the ultimately, I know what your goal is, is to, to anybody that's listening to say, Hey, look, pay attention to this because yeah. we've been ignoring this for, for a while. And, you know, all of a sudden, again, the browser has become not just something you're using to surf the, surf the web, right? Yeah. It is, it is the functional application that we are using to work for everything. Well, and so using that logic, you, you mentioned this earlier, the, the Chrome OS, not called Chrome OS for no reason, right? 
there is a lot to be said or we see it or hear it a lot about how going back in time you know the thin client the the remote desktop session that doesn't allow you to go anywhere per se physically you know you're looking through the pane of glass but if your browser is on the other side of the pane of glass which 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 brings me and you can already know where i'm going with that so let's go back to the whole chrome os thing just because you can't compromise the device anymore easily if i'm allowed to put extensions on that chrome os and if i'm allowed to if, if there's not a lot of um, control in place to secure what I'm accessing and the data flow that's happening through the the ether, if you will, then it's really not any different than me being on a Windows or Mac or Linux machine when I start syncing data using my browser from bookmarks to you know session variables, you name it, and and I think we can no longer just stand by and and ignore it. And I don't think we were intentionally ignoring it. I think we were, um, our blinders were onto it. Like the browsers grew up and they didn't do it very fast, right? Like I remember back in the day as a developer, uh, not a very good one at that. I remember back in the day, my job responsibility for quality control for the application that the company I was at had built was how well does it work in Netscape 4.7? Or, and at that time it was like Netscape 4.7, Netscape 6, Netscape 7. And then you had IE5, IE5.1. And then I don't remember what the other one was. And then you had, you know, some of the other stuff that was coming out. Firefox was really, the Mozilla browser was becoming really prominent. None of them used the same style sheet engines. You know, CSS worked differently in different environments. And finally we had to just settle on one browser. And pretty definitively today, that is not the case. You know, 20 years later, you know, browsers grew up, browsers that come out of left field that we've never heard of before are still very sophisticated and very powerful. They're not, they're not the basic, you know, they got to grow up as they get built, right? Like this isn't like, oh, because it's version one of the brave browser that somehow that means it's not good enough to compete with the bigger players, which is quite the opposite. It has none of the tech debt or the the legacy code, it's it's quite evolved. So, anyways, I, I think our challenge today, and and why I wanted to continue this conversation with you know zero trust your browser, it's really the browser is not the problem. I mean, largely these are features, not not dysfunction, right? Like this is not bugs in the code. These are actual features and 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 valuable, and and the things that we can do with them are so powerful. Especially when you suddenly go, wait, I can manage that. <laughs> right right and and so i have spent as i was saying before i spent a lot of time over the weekend coming up with a strategy around how to actually do it with chrome browser in a, in a chrome managed environment and it works great if you've got you know google for education or google for enterprise because it's it's just there you can actually just go into the admin console and search it and boom there you go it walks you through it the instructions are quite impressive and it's not hard to do a little bit time consuming when you start dialing in the policies but but it's there I then started going down the rabbit hole of doing this with Edge browser. Um, and it's really not any different. It's just, you're not using Google to manage Google, right? right? I mean, the, the Chrome browser, if you will, it's using uh, Intune. And as I started going through that whole thing, the, the reality was it was actually giving me the same almost verbatim 
the same level of control of like extensions allowed or not allowed, you know, whitelist by de or blacklist by default, those kind of things. As solution providers, my, my big question is, are we willing to engage the conversation to educate on the actual security vulnerabilities that exist, not because the browser itself is vulnerable, but because, so, <clears throat> excuse me, because of the things users are doing because they're not educated on the risks of leveraging widgets, applications that run inside the quote OS that is the browser that can damage both uh, personal and work um, data privacy. Sure. Yeah, I, I think the some of the biggest challenges I think we're going to face is as I was going through and actually I didn't do Chrome. I did my Safari. I went in and I, I actually applied all of the best practices that were available, uh, published for securing Safari. OK. And uh, all of a sudden, none of my stuff worked anymore. <laughs> you so, know? so it worked really well. It's super it secure. You can't even go it's outside super... of Right. The computer. I think I think what we're I think what we're faced with is, you know, especially as managed service providers that, you know, we're going to have to take this on a step by step basis. I don't think it's something that you're going to just be able to go in and say, do all these best practices, sure. push it out and say, you know, that's it. We're done. And well, then and you're going to have a ticket storm, ticket storm like no other. Yeah. Well, and you didn't say this earlier. Um, for those of you listening. Uh, both Edge and Chrome. I, I don't remember what you said, how, how long Safari was, but like Edge and Chrome to like set the browser up to be secure is like pushing 300 pages right. to be secure. Like 300 pages of how to get this done is is no small. Uh, this isn't like, you know, uh, we'll wait till uh, you know, half, during halftime of, of the football game, I'm going to get caught up on Edge browser so that I can go out and make everybody secure. Right now, I, I think that um, it, it's gonna it's gonna take some time, and I think with you know with Intune and that management uh, platform, you know what other you know other MDMs that are out there, I'm I'm certain that you know I know that we can control some with the MDM that we use on the Apple side, and I, I know that there are policies that can be set and enforced. Sure. So you know all, all of that is is a wonderful thing, um, but I do think that. You know, you'd mentioned tech debt. And I know that, you know, we have a mutual friend of ours that, you know, I mean, that-, that Calling he, out Brian Weiss, are we? Calling him right. out. Yes. <laughs> and, and you know, look, the fact of the matter is, is that there is a ton of tech debt in the the SaaS or SaaS world, sure. right? That, you know, until, until that stuff is eliminated, you know, we're going to have to- allow some things to happen otherwise you know that our, our clients are going to be out there searching for products that to replace a product that they've made significant investments in of time money and everything else yeah um and then we're into the, all these crazy migrations and things of that nature i mean it used to be the day where we were looking for okay well eventually everything's going to go browser-based well that has effectively happened yeah. In, in, in most, but we weren't looking. Yeah. Right. It was all the things we were talking about. Now that it's happened, it's like, okay, now all the bad development that we were getting away from on-prem is bad development browser-based that is now having to be 
you know, brought back and, and become more secure. Because I guarantee you, as we go and we actually start uh, doing like security analysis or, or having pen tests done on some of these environments that we're using that have been developed over the last decade and calling them out and saying, this is crap. Right. You know, this has to be fixed. Otherwise, we can't use your product anymore. Well, so not to go down squirrel rabbit hole here, but like how many applications can you like literally on, on one hand list out that have like their past version 100? <laughs> like, I think I think Internet or Internet Explorer, I think Edge and, and Chrome because they're very similar on the core. I think they're, we're at like 106, 108, somewhere in there. Like if you blink, it's another version. But like, I was trying to think about like other applications that have that level of, of history over the last 20 plus years to exist. Yeah, for sure. Are we for really sure. using code from version 1.0? I mean, we're on 106 is the new version and we still have, you know, I'm not saying that to be, I'm, this is really, if you're listening, I, I'm, I'm really being sarcastic here. I, I, I this isn't to, downplay the value or the features that are in a browser the reality i think is we we start with education we know that's critical i think i think the second one for me goes back to this zero trust model that we've been talking about quite a bit and that is do you need five browsers on your computer or even three browsers like at this point i i would argue that whether it's chrome or edge if that's that's your comfort comfort app browser, depending on the organization, that plus the native browser that comes with it, you you might have two browsers. And, and quite honestly, if, if one is Chrome and one is Edge, uh, if you're, um, you know, if you're uh, not a Google workspace place, I would argue you're probably going to need to make the decision to cut one out and go with the other because you're not going to spend money in Azure land just to manage your edge to manage your edge browser versus Chrome browser to manage it in Google workspace is, is a transaction fee, right? So like, let's not make this more expensive. That's getting into managing the user experience versus what you were talking about of like, I'm locking down the security functionality of the browser. So I think number three is before we get into spending too much time, you know, slapping a, an end user's hand or telling them why they can't use extensions to at least structure it so that the browser is being installed with security in mind, not it's a free for all, you know, that you can do whatever you want as long as it's inside what appears to be the, the browser container that has tentacles into everything that we spend money on. Sure. And then, then the next one would be, okay, now we actually have to do zero trust inside the browser where we are actually saying, no, uh, we, we allow access to extensions by request, uh, not we go in and block after the fact because you put a bad extension on your computer. Yeah, it, that all of those things are... Uh, they're 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 all doable and i and i i do think that again it, it's just it's so it, it's overwhelming and i know you've been overwhelmed by this whole topic the last week or so and at the more that i've thought about it the more overwhelmed i get with you know how you know what's going to be the best way to to make this happen long term um and and in a in a in a real work world way right 
Um, and, and what risks are involved by, you know, allowing this or allowing that? And, you know, what does it break if we don't, you know, and, and, the, and it's a, to me, it's, it's that simple, but yet that complicated because it is complicated and simple all at the same time. It's real easy for us to. Which one is it, Jim? I'm confused now. <laughs> it's complicatedly simple. Okay. You know? So it, it's like, I don't want to. It's like I don't want to trivialize it, but let me wait. Then, then why are you saying you don't want to trivialize it, right? So I'll throw this out there because I think it, if you haven't picked up on this yet, as a, as a as a listener to to this show, we have been harping on CIS controls. If you're part of the secure outcomes, you you hear us talk about like asset inventory and vulnerability management and least privileged access. We literally have just laser focused with a scalpel targeted one thing within this big broad responsibility of, of securing our environments and securing our clients with a browser and quite honestly i think we have been trying really really hard to do so many things on a large scale that we've lost sight of how much we can do if we focus on some of the little things so that we're proactively securing versus reactively planning um, and I know that sounds like I'm trying to trivialize a secure environment. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that at all, but if we start having the conversations around the secure baseline for, for, uh, a device, right? Like if you think about a laptop being deployed, what OS are we expecting it to have on it? What are the applications it's got to have out of the gate? This is a perfect example of that. Cause I think the reality is if we allow this to have scope creep, in, in the world of, of the users that we're managing, then you end up with a, a plethora of applications that you can never wrap your arms around. And the only reason those applications exist on those devices is because we weren't managing it out of the gate. If we manage this, and I think we can fix it because most end users are not like, oh, I gotta have these five browsers, they're not. Yeah. And there's a couple things that you can do that literally put them into a position of, creating a communication path that is currently non-existent. Like if I make it so that you can't just install extensions just because you want to, you actually have to put a request in and then I approve it. Well, Hey, we just had a conversation and it gives me an opportunity to go, Hey, can you walk me through what you're trying to do? My favorite is when someone says, Oh, well, I need this PDF extension. And it's like, Hmm. Are you editing PDFs in your browser on your Windows or Mac? That doesn't make any sense. You've got really solid tools probably already on your machine to do the editing side. But then you get the ones that are like, oh, no, no, I just need it for, for viewing PDFs in the browser. I don't know if you know this, but they already do that. <laughs> it's just a question of whether or not they're comfortable with the one that they get with the browser. Or, or in some cases... You know, you've got Adobe Acrobat, that's my favorite, is that they don't have turned on for the Adobe Acrobat viewer that's in the browser to be the default. It's still using the browser as the default. They're just little things. And I'm, and I'm throwing them out there because just to say, we have an opportunity both internally with our staff and I think larger with, with our, our, as we go client facing, to actually make an impactful change that's helping them understand that they do have some obligations and responsibilities from a security standpoint that is not tied to the problem with the browser. It's the problem with just assuming that everything is, is good 
intentioned on the side of like, well, I went to the Google Play Store. What do you mean those aren't necessarily good for me to install in the browser? It's like, well, the, the those products that you're consuming that you're getting for free, you really think they're actually free? Like there's a lot of, you know, good developers out there that are just like, man, I just love developing stuff for free. Yeah, that's uh, I you, you have me speechless on that one. I I'm like, yeah, there there's there's a cost to everything at yeah. some point. I mean, in, no matter how you slice it, I there is there is a cost, and whether it comes right out of your pocket or your or your uh, your bank account at that moment or not, um, you know that your information is worth something. Yeah. We're either paying with information or we're paying with money. There's no other, there's not a third option. Uh, Jim, as we are going to wrap up this session, I realize that you've already made one big step towards better security in your browser, as in you can't actually surf the internet anymore. Um, so you might need to, to dial back that configuration, but, but how do you see this going forward? Because I think the biggest thing that we can do isn't about how we go and just lock down users. It's, really the education component. And I think doing a better job when we push devices out, when we help manage devices that are within our control, that we're managing what's actually going on to those machines. Well, I think it's, I think it's what you've, what you've done, Chris, and that is start the conversation, right? I mean, we, we've started the conversation here. You started it with Ken, just kind of by accident. It's matriculated into today. And I mean, we're starting conversations with our staff and we're going to start really evaluating, you know, what we are doing to, to secure this part of, you know, not only ourselves internally, but our client base uh, as a whole um, and to have, you know, further conversations with our peers. I mean, I think it's, you know, we'll probably talk about this again on Friday, right? I mean, it's no yeah. question. No question. <laughs> you know, for those I of mean, you that it's... don't know, uh, Jim is referring to the Secure Outcomes Advisory Group. We have a tendency to get caught up on a topic and it tends to stick with us for at least a week or more as we continue to look for ways that we can provide value to those of you listening. Uh, that was my uh, bell letting me know that it is time to wrap this up. Uh, Jim, where can people find you? Um, kineticTG.com, uh, Kinetic Technology Group uh, in Dallas, Texas. Uh, happy to grab an email from somebody or whatever. Just yes, love to meet new people. Keep keep the conversation going. Obviously, if you're involved in MSP Ignite, please hit us up on the Secure Outcomes channel and let us know if there's questions about today's episode or any of the episodes. Um, I'm also always active on LinkedIn. For those of you that don't know. I am now a active employee uh, with CompTIA and involved heavily in the ISAO. And just want to say, for those of you listening, I hope you had something beneficial from this episode and maybe one of the others that are out there. Have a great week, everybody.